And welcome to uh, everyone to another edition of the Between Two Wheels podcast coming to you from Northern California on today's show. Mark Hershey, he goes full Willy Wonka, squirts out of his contract with DSM, formerly Team Sunweb. We'll talk about that. Where is he going? I think everyone knows that one now by now. Uh, we take a deep dive into the potential Trek class action lawsuits regarding helmets. Also, a court ruling on Iron Man refunds. How will that affect you and your racing this next year? Ricardo Rico gets burned by the cycling press. We'll talk about that. And when does racing begin here in Northern California, domestically and around the world? It's, uh, it's Sunday. I think it's the 10th of January. And this is the Between Two Wheels podcast, episode 217. Appreciate you coming with us today. Back in the garage. I mean, studio. Um, and I think we're going to try to do some things from here, at least for a little bit uh, on Sundays, because trying to work, um, trying to keep that at the office, come home, I think I'd do this here. And I think when we get it going, maybe we'll try to do a live show, maybe giving me some input as to when the best time, because I really do uh, kind of enjoy the feedback that we can get. And we've been getting pretty decent numbers on, um, on the YouTubes. So keep that coming. Racing in 2021. Okay, so look, we've got racing going on, and uh, but do we? No, we don't really. Northern Cal, I uh, looked at the web page. They didn't have anything listed. Now, they sent out uh, something earlier. It was a bit of a, a, a list of potential racing for the year for 2021. And from what I could tell, um, that was just a potential there. You go to the NCNCA website for Northern California, there's nothing listed at all. And I think they're having a board meeting coming up. So maybe we'll get a little bit better uh, understanding as to what's going to be taking place for some potential racing. I did see that, um, yikes, that uh, Velo Promo took a shot and they canceled some races. I thought I'd at least try to, um, I did not have this prepared, but I think I will try to find their, um, cancellation uh comment because i thought it was a little a little bit much honestly i mean look you know we, we we're glad that they're they do racing we're glad that they do uh, uh races and such but um i don't think i'm even going to be able to uh, share this so i'll just kind of read their um prepared remarks uh the continuing crisis in the health and the cycling sport this was done on december 14th uh, december 13th they say velo promo is continuing to put its events on hold for the foreseeable future with the continuing increase in cases and deaths and with a sizable part of the public not following the recommendations and mandates the counties and cities we deal with on our own concerns keeps us from holding bike races and group recreational cycling events such as the strawberry fields forever uh, until such time as a decreasing pandemic and a vaccination public create a safer <laughs> vaccinated public create a safer environment at this point i'm not sure <clears throat> when we'll start up it may be well over a year since our last race, Madeira 2020, before we can get going again. So nothing is set for January and February 2021. We will probably start as soon as we can with time trials first, then rural road races, and finally, criteriums. My apologies for this extended period of uncertainty, but it doesn't seem like there's any safe way around it. Really? Uh, stay safe, keep riding, and we will be posting more interesting pictures on Instagram, informing you of our plans on Facebook and Velo Promo website, and doing a retrospective of our old t-shirt designs on Facebook. 
Yeah, those burlap bags. I, I miss those. Uh, look, am I knocking them a little bit? I mean, I am because do they have any? I mean, you can. I'm not going to get into this, but why are they saying it's your fault for this? I don't know. I mean, I, I had COVID and we were following mandates, so you know, shit happens and you get this stuff. And you know what? I survived. Um, so stop blaming the public. We've been locked down, mother since uh, February or so. Okay, it's almost been a year. So, hey, Velo Promo, we can do these safely. And I'm, hey, I'm not going to cry for you if you don't want your funds and you don't want us to do your races anymore. Okay, fine. I'll, I, you can easily do these safely. I just went to Home Depot today. I was in there cruising around with a bunch of people. We had masks on. We can do that at the start line. Vaccination is out for those concerned. I've had COVID. I think I'm pretty good on this. At this point, do a race. Yeah, sorry. Getting a little worked up over that. But you know what? I'm a little tired of it. And... um throwing that out there that people aren't taking precautions. I mean, businesses are shutting down. Your business is shutting down. You're deciding not to do anything about it. And actually what you're doing is you're not calling out the governor. You're not calling out anything else. You're taking the way out and you're calling out riders and you're calling out those in the public. I'm sure either you can find a, a field out there in the middle of nowhere where we'd be perfectly fine and safe. But, you know, it doesn't matter. If you had just done this and said, you know, look, we can't do it. County mandates, blah, 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 fine. You're going to call out everyone else. You're going to call out all the racers for not following mandates. Good luck, Bella Promo. I do miss those uh, burlap bag shirts that you send out. Top six. Everyone gets one. It's been a, it's been a good Sunday. Maybe I shouldn't even be putting this one out. Oh, whatever. Uh, bring me your comments on that. I'd be glad to take that. Once again, it's been a year. We've been doing riding. We've been doing group rides. Um, Let's bring it on. NorCal, um, like I said, there's nothing really listed on their website. Um, did I thought this was good. Maybe we'll try to get in, in touch with him because I would like to do some uh, interviews if people would <laughs> still take me. Uh, local pro Jason Saltzman signed with Wildlife Generation Pro Cycling Team. Looks like they will start racing in Turkey. Uh, they did release their roster, but <laughs> it's all with their Twitter handles. So it's still tough to see. Um, Stretchkov, it looks like him. Castillo Soto. Not Cormac, I don't know who that is. Noah Granigan, uh, Jay Salt, which is uh, Saltzman, uh, Spencer CX1, Jonathan Clark, just Jonathan Clark, Hone Alex 97. Uh, damn, is that the year? <laughs> is that the year he was born? Uh, I, I got married once in 1997. Kent Ross, and then they say, see you in Turkey. So uh, pretty excited for uh, Jason Saltzman. You know, I had a little story when I did my comeback. I um, had been a pro. There was no way I was going to race as a pro anymore. So I um, sent in to um, USA Cycling a request to downgrade. And I requested to downgrade all the way down to Cat 5. Um, and I they, they rejected it. And I had to come back and say, um, I, <laughs> I have a, I'm, I'm fatter than Louis Armstrong or Louis Anderson. And I think I have a heart condition. And then they're like, okay, whatever. They put me down. Anyway, I, I quickly moved, boom, up to a three, and then I was racing with uh, Jason Saltzman, and he was super nice. He was this young, you know, a super young kid. His dad was there at some races, uh, Cycleration in Folsom, and I remember he, he was just really a nice guy. Um, so he had no reason to be nice to me. His dad uh, once was was just offhandedly nice to me at uh, Cats Hill once. So, you know, granted, uh, good for them. You know, I know they were um, under... Larry's uh, tutelage there with the specialized team for a while. Um, but congratulations to Saltzman going to, and you know, I also saw 
is another local here, Cole Davis, that he got picked up again for Action Berman. Dude, that team has been such a pipeline into the world tour. And we saw that, we saw that at a Giro, we saw all over. We just keep seeing it. And um, with Teo Gegenhardt, that's an example. And it's good to see that team is still producing, but they're they're getting dwindled down. I mean, that team is, is smaller and smaller, and they're kind of, you know, domestic team, I think, now rather than uh, being a little bit UCI 2.0 team or whatever they were. All right, let's get at the big news of the day. Hershey squirts from DSM. Is that is that too gratuitous? Uh, Mark Hershey leaves DSM Sunweb early and signs a three-year deal with Team UAE. Now, look, there had been a bunch of speculation. First of all, he camped, he crapped out of his uh, contract that he'd had with DSM, Team Sunweb. We'll just call him DSM. It's easier. And I even had seen a thing where uh, one of the journalists had reached out to um, Chad Haga, who's on the team, and he's like, uh, this was such a surprise. He's like, he's on our list to come to camp because they were doing a team camp already. And no one knew about this. But anyway, what I have three quick things here. Well, maybe it's only two. Um, how did he get out of the contract? Uh, why UAE? And then the third one. Uh, why not stay with DSM? What was the problem with that? And I saw t- this, I had written this up and gone through some of this stuff. And then I saw it confirmed, well, not confirmed, but uh, a little bit more of a speculation confirming my concerns uh, in one of the, the cycling journals today. So um, anyway, how did he get out of the contract? He had a contract for another year. And typically that's not, that's not such an easy thing to get out of, but what you're doing is you're, you're gonna buy your way out. Um, the problem usually with those kind of situations, unless you just have a bad uh, feeling in your mouth and you know life is you're just not liking the team, is you have a reason to get out of this contract, which is you've had a stellar season and now you're getting better offers elsewhere. So sometimes you'll see that and they'll buy their way out. Wiggins had done that with uh, Garmin at the time. Um, you've seen uh, Caleb, uh, sorry, Cadell Evans did that with BMC. The rumor with Cadell is that he actually took out a personal loan to do that. Sometimes you have the other team that is going to compensate you, and maybe that's the case. Or he feels like, you know, Caleb as a, uh, Cadell, as an example, getting out of a lotto at the time, going to BMC was, I'm going to get better support. It's going to be, my future is so much better. It's, it's worth it for me to take out a loan to pay off my old salary for what I'm going to be getting going forward. And he, the increase obviously was that. Um, obviously it worked out for Wiggins, obviously it worked out for Cadell Evans, and we'll see if it's gonna work out for Hershey. I don't know what the terms of the deal are if he had to do that. Now, likely, you know, there was a few days, maybe a week separation from the time that um, Hershey reported that he was canceling the contract to the signing the UAE, but I'm pretty sure he had in the works of like, I'm going to be signing here, you know, give me the increase. It's just that that sign uh, buying out was more problematic, I'm sure. And it probably was a little bit of a penalty that they might have had in the clause in the contract as well for a buyout. So it's not simply, oh, this is my amount that I'm going to get on the contract. I'm just going to pay you that amount and I'm good to go. That was probably a little bit more of some penalties of getting out early. Either way, though, he's done and gone, and he done and gone. He's done and gone and out of DSM. He squirts his way over to. I'm going to keep using that Hershey squirts. It's just the way it goes, and he's over his way to uh, UAE. So look at why UAE. Well, uh, Tadek Pogacar, uh, he's on that team. Uh, Brandon McNulty. He's, and it depends on what you think Hershey's going to be doing too. Um, he's kind of that. Um, Alaphilippe type right now. It's hard for us to tell. He's so young that we're not sure exactly. Is he going to be a world tour, grand tour rider coming up? 
Is he just going to be kind of this uh, classics rider? I mean, look, uh, won a stage in the, won a stage in the Tour de France, two close seconds. Uh, he had uh, what second or so there at World Cha- third, I think at World Championships. Um, second place at Liège Bastogne Liège. I mean, this guy can can pretty much do it, and he was uh, he was pretty impressive. We don't know if he's going to be a Grand Tour rider, what he can really do, uh, but he can definitely do the one day racing. So. Um, who did this team UAE have in that case for their uh, their roster this coming up here? Look, I, I went into their website. It's not really great on their, some of their teams. Uh, Camilo Ardillo, Ardilla from Colombia. Not sure who that is. Uh, Mikael Bjerg uh, from Denmark. I think he had been with Action previously. Uh, Sven Erik Bystrom, Norway. Valerio Conti. He's been there with Italy for a while. Uh, Alessandro Covi. No, never heard of him. Italy. David De La Cruz from Spain. He's a, a decent uh, support writer. Uh, Joe Joseph Dombrowski from the USA. Um, so, you know, look, Rui Costa, Portugal, former world champion. Davide Formolo of Italy. Fernando Gaviria. Ryan Gibbons, South Africa. Alexander Kristoff. Vegard Stag Lang from Norway. Rafael Maika, another, uh, he had a decent uh, Vuelta. Mark Hershey, of course. Marco Mercado from Italy. Brandon McNulty from the USA. Yosef Mirez Alaha from UAE. Got to take one of those. Sebastian Milano from Colombia. Christoph Munoz from Colombia. Ivo Oliveira from Portugal. His brother Rui from Portugal. Tade Pagacha from Slovenia. Jan Polank from Slovenia. A very good support writer. Alexander Riabushi from Belarus, Maximiliano Riccesi from Argentina, Matteo Trenton, uh, he's the coming in from Italy, uh, Elevaro Troy from Italy, Diego Luisi from Italy. So some of the big stars that they have there, obviously McNulty's made an improvement. Uh, Trenton coming in, one day racer, decent sprinter. Obviously the sprinters, Christophe wins stage one in the Tour de France. Christophe Gaviria, who, you know, God willing, he recovers from COVID. Evidently, he had it twice. Um, let's make it a hat trick. How you how you doing there? Um, Gaviria obviously can sprint. Matteo Trenton can do exceptionally well. You know, he's kind of that guy that gets Michael Matthews type. Um, and then they've got uh, Davide Formolo, uh, Dombrowski, Riccesi, uh, some of these other guys, and Pogacar. Obviously, Pogacar. Um, so that's his opportunities now at U8+. Plus. They're the first team to get the whole team vaccinated. So maybe that was his ploy there of getting over. Uh, but why did he leave DSM? Look, there were reports last year that DSM was pretty heavy on being rigid. Okay. Uh, so much so that there was some you know talk about Michael Matthews having, didn't really like it with them. And that's why he was moving on midseason. You got that report. <laughs> um, did come out today that that was, in fact... Uh, possibly an issue and I thought I'd just read some of these um, harsh stances that the team had homework punishments limited massages did the strict rules at team DSM contribute to Hershey's departure claims of strict regimen at team DSM are said to have contributed to a number uh, of stars riders moving on to new pastures uh details relieved that departure of michael matthews mark hershey hershey has announced obviously the sh- uh, lake shocker um newspaper claimed that 
these factors did play a part in Michael Matthews, and he was not the only rider who was left due to the strict rules. Matthews is said to not have completed his homework. So evidently, they, have to, they had to do homework every night before the next stage of a race. Now, they said due to the rigors of the Tour de France and the, the overwhelming necessity for recovery, they were not required to do them at the Tour, but all these other races, they were required to do um, homework. Um, squad members given homework to do, which includes memorizing details of the race profiles, as well as fine-tuning tactics. This practice is not enforced at the Tour de France, where emphasis is placed on maximum rest and recovery. Another protocol is that the rider who wants to test out different non-standard team issue race tubes during a recon of specific races, such as Strada Bianca, are not permitted to. The same goes for a rider wanting to organize his own altitude camps. Glasses must be kept in their cases while not being worn, and tweets disparaging dangerous courses are frowned upon, as is the use of ketones, which probably is why Dumoulin left. Even more bizarrely, riders are said to not be allowed to ask for more than a half an hour with the masseur due to, to deal with physical ailments. Okay. Um, Danish outlet Bleak says, although both Hershey and his manager Fabian Cancellara have remained silent on the circumstances surrounding the 22-year-old's team change, his new home will allow him to live more freely and point out his comments at the end of last season. Quote, I now pretty much know what is good for me and what is not. Okay. New Het Newsbalt said that there is also um, often relentless uh, there is also often restlessness amongst the support staff who are paid less than their counterparts on other teams and that once they prove themselves, they're almost immediately snatched up by a rival. Despite these revelations, some web impressed during the 2020 season, recording 16 victories, including three stages of the Tour de France and a stage in the second row at the Jill. Yeah, so let's not um, just over... Look, it's, it's maybe a bit harsh, what the team requires, but did it pay off? I mean, there, there were... Um, comments about the uh, team Sunweb during the tour, you know, when they started having success there, they were bragging about the fact that they had had team meetings during the pandemic layoff where each member basically came to the fore and had, had broken down a section of the, of the Tour de France and plans and strategies for them. I mean, you know, I, when I broke through, and look, obviously they didn't <laughs> do that with the Giro. We talked about some of the strategy involved on uh, last few days there with Jai Hindley and Wilco Kilderman, but there is an argument to be made that their um, research, their planning, and their ability to understand each other really played a part in three of their wins at the at the tour. I mean, there were some. You know, I, I forget which stages and exactly the winners there, but there was a few stages where they came in and they capitalized off of Sagan and Julian Alaphilippe, as an example, in the last few K, win solo. Have another one where Trenton, um, all the sprinters go up the road and they do the, the exact same thing, counter off uh, Van Avermaet and these guys and Sagan kind of chasing and sprinting after each other and boom, hit them when it hurt and when they were supposed to. It was perfectly done tactically. The team had some really good wins and then Mark Hershey being able to uh, win solo as well and then get in the break on what stage two. I think I had that wrong in my recap of the year and um, also uh, stage later on where he, um, a nine I believe, where he barely missed out the win with uh, Pogacar and um, Roglic. Anyway, um, so there is something to be said about the heart. Now, look, 
maybe they have a glasses um, thing issue where I, I don't know why they insist on that you put your glasses in your container when you're not using them. That's just something I would do to my young kids. But once they're buying them themselves, uh, you know, getting them, maybe it's a problem with getting things for free, right? You don't realize the value. So therefore they're, they're kind of doing this. I don't know. That does seem a little bit odd to me. Either way, Mark Hershey, one of the biggest stories, he has capitalized it, I think, just right, doing it at the first part of the year, buying out of his contract. It's the biggest news story of the year so far in cycling. We're not going to talk about Vikings attacking the capital and such, but as far as cycling goes, it's one of the biggest uh, news things of the year. It keeps him on top. It's talked about. He goes to UAE. Big, big deal, and um, I'm pretty, pretty stoked about it. All right. Um, maybe you guys have seen this in the news. Trek, it's been announced, a Trek hit with a lawsuit over wave sill helmet safety claims. Now, look, one of my friends, um, data-driven athlete coach, founder of the company, uh, Nate Dunn, he recently, well, the summer, I think, was it this summer? Last summer, maybe it was. He'd had a wreck, hit his head pretty hard at the time. <laughs> Kurt Mills asked him the question, who's president? And he said it was Barack Obama. Now, I think it was a Barack Obama fan, so maybe that led into it. Probably wasn't happy it was Trump, but he was wrong. It was Trump. It still is at this point, um, no matter what you want to think. that's just I'm just giving facts out here. Point is, he hit his head pretty hard. He went, did some research, and he got this Bontrager helmet. So Bontrager, they have a new wave sail helmet technology. They've done, I think, Institute of Virginia has been done, done a bunch of testing. So Com uh, people are contesting whether the their claims now there was uh, what's also interesting in the cycling tips um, uh, story about this they give a breakdown of what the lawsuit is what the problems are who's contesting what and now it's a class action class action you've got to get it certified it's got to be all whoever a bunch of people that come in there and it's really about giving attorneys a, a lot of money honestly you may get your money back for your helmet Okay, uh, they haven't claimed anybody's injured from this. That'd be a different issue. You know, you've got a personal injury or products liability issue with Trek itself. But as uh, most uh, most class action lawsuits are want to do, and we'll, we'll talk about another one coming up here. Um, it's over a little bit of money and then you get to pull that up and then the attorneys get 30 plus percent and they get of that whole thing and you get your 60 bucks back or whatever. So it's, it's, it's not a great situation for any of this, but um, According to legal publication, Law 3360, Trek Corporation was recently presented with a proposed, see it's just proposed, class action lawsuit alleging it misleads consumers into believing it's Bontrager wave sill helmets protect against concussions more than the average helmet and that it conducted unreliable research for marketing purposes. Plaintiff Andrew Glancy of Dutchess County filed the suit with the Southern District of New York with the primary complaint, federal lawsuit, Primary complaint taking issue with Trek's claim that WaveSail is, quote, up to 48 times more effective than traditional foam helmets in preventing concussions during a crash. According to the suit, Trek claims were based on misleading tests that were conducted by parties that have a direct financial interest in the technology, thus presenting significant potential conflicts of interest. Uh, I'll just make that comment on that real quick. So, I mean, that you have, you're doing testing, you're investing in maybe the wave cell part, maybe you're doing the helmet, maybe you're doing the buckle. You put money into this research, we see this all the time, and it doesn't necessarily invalidate 
the testing. It doesn't invalidate the results. Um, maybe this, uh, I, don't, I don't think so, that the, uh, the, the party, the plaintiffs on this had done their own testing to compare. Uh, now, they'll just keep going here, though. <clears throat> In addition, the suit says that the tests were performed on modified, so this could be a problem, traditional helmets, not the actual production wave cell models. So the test results aren't applicable and what is actually available for purchase. Now, with that said, I saw on another um, another website, not cycling tips, where they said actually the tests were done on the shit with the shell of an older model, but with the wave cell technology. Obviously, they're going to have to do the wave cell technology to see if that actually is an issue. The shell might not be the case, so it's a little odd that the cycling tips didn't put that in there. Not a surprise, though, actually. Furthermore, uh, Glancy Suits alleges that wave cell price premium is not justified given the false claims, and he is seeking damages to be determined in a jury trial as well as attorney's fees. Attorney's fees is the big one we talked about. Um, uh, jury trial, that's fine um, to be determined. In other words, look, that's why it's uh, a proposed. They have to get it certified. They have to go through the process, and then they're going to probably amend their complaint or file a complaint. I don't even know that it's actually been filed. They just um, complained to... Uh, saying they're going to propose a class action. Class action isn't necessarily the easiest method to get through, but <clears throat> attorney's fees, that's the thats the one. Sounds complicated, uh, uh, cycling tip says here. Uh, Bontrager's heady claims in regards to wave cell supposed improved safety performance re relative to traditional helmet construction certainly raised more than a few eyebrows when it was introduced last March. It also sounded a little too good to be true. And if you take Virginia Tech's test results at face value, that's perhaps the case. Um, I haven't taken a look at their test results, but you could probably do so. While Bontrager wave cell equipped helmets have generally scored quite well virginia tech's rankings don't place them appreciably higher than helmets built with traditional technology in fact not only does the best performing build Bontrager helmet in the rankings use a conventional expanded polystyrene foam liner but it even outscores the newer version of that same helmet built with a wave cell one Okay, that's uh, nevertheless, Trek still believes the wave cell technology and is apparently prepared to demonstrate as such in court. Quote, Trek believes in and stands behind our Bontrager wave cell helmets, read the statement from Trek that was provided to Cycling Tips. This lawsuit is without merit and will vigorously defend it against it. The plaintiff has not made an allegation of physical injury. Trek will continue to responsibly promote and improve this innovation in helmet technology. So, Part of this will be interesting to see what the actual uh, lawsuit um, alleges and what's actually in the complaint. As an example, uh, and I'm not going to get into too much of this, but uh, during between the election and now, there's been a lot of lawsuits filed, as an example. And some of those have been kicked out for whatever reason. But if you actually read, um, and this is only a few of them here, and I'm not I'm not justifying any of the, the, the crap that was, that was thrown into the courts, but um, had some arguments with my friends because they're pretending to be lawyers and saying, oh, this is a crappy lawsuit. But if you look at the lawsuit, there's one example um, that was filed. I don't know if it was by the GOP, but it was alleging violations of, of statutes of you know equal protection uh, and those kind of due process. And it wasn't alleging fraud. So, so he's like, oh, this thing gets thrown out. You've got to actually read the complaint and see what those uh, allegations are and the, what the complaint is. Now, the, uh, the petition. So in this case, we'll have to actually see, like Bontrager comes right back and says, look, 
It's no merit. They're, they're, we're going to vigorously defend against it. They didn't even make an allegation of physical injury. Well, maybe they're not going to. Maybe they're going to say it's an issue of fraud and you're defrauding these, you know, putting up basically an issue of I'm um, something you can't live up to, right? And 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 basically, by the, by the way, if you're going down that road, if you don't get um, someone injured and a problem here, you are then going to have a little bit more difficult for damages because it's just not going to be quite the case, you know, malice and what have you. So you've got to have a damage. You've got to have damages to be able to get that. And then your attorney's fees are going to be a little bit more negligible. Now, look, uh, the rest of the article is actually somewhat interesting because it gives a breakdown of what other helmet companies have done as far as their advertising goes and what they've avoided doing. What they've avoided doing is this exact thing. I'm trying to remember the name of the movie. It's a terrible movie from the 70s, but I think it had um, Mike, uh, Mike uh, um, it'll come to Kurt Russell, and they had advertised about miles of cars. Well, someone, <laughs> their competitors, like, you don't have miles of cars, and they take it before the judge. So they ended up having to get all these used cars, trying to line it up to actually be a mile of car. You've got to make, you're making claims to the public. You've got to actually be able to substantiate them. You can't, otherwise it's false advertising. So the point is that a lot of these helmet companies are not willing to put this into any of their advertising. They're just like, yeah, we're good. But Bontrager comes out it appears to have convinced my friend John, uh, Nathan. Boy, those are some two friends of mine, Jonathan and Nathan, but not the one I'm thinking about. Uh, Nate Dunn and convinced him to uh, get the helmet. So there's also a website, Brain, which stands for Bicycle Retailer uh, Industry News or something like that. And they had also had, a, look, all the websites seem to be going over uh, this issue with the helmet. And so it'll be interesting. So first of all, we're going to look at as with everything, it's a little bit um, deceptive with the media as far as what are we reporting? Well, you can obviously see that at this case, we're just right now looking for, is there even a lawsuit in place? Once again, they said a proposed one. I haven't seen that it's been certified as a uh, class action, which is they've got to do. It's not very difficult to do to certify the class and what the situation is, and then they go from there. Um, Next issue, this is all legal issues with bike racing because we really don't have much else. No refunds means no refunds. The judge rules for an Iron Man uh, in the Iron Man suit. And I didn't read this actual, I mean, I did. I went and actually found the actual lawsuit or the, the judgment, the order from the judge. Um, somewhat interesting, but what the situation was, COVID hit this summer. Uh, there were races to be had. Uh, Iron Man had like a run. I want to say in the Bay Area, something in San Diego, perhaps um, the one in the Bay Area, I think it was like a half marathon type of thing. And it was like $80 entry fee. Someone from Denver, some lady from Denver had wanted to participate. They canceled the race uh, with that. They said, we're not refunding your money. There was another one full marathon um, triathlon, sorry, down in, I think, Southern California. And that one was also canceled and they and refused to issue a refund. That one is more like $300. So they actually got a class action lawsuit. They got it certified and they got it before district judge in Florida. Not sure why Florida. Uh, either way, the it was not a federal um, court. It was just a Florida state. And they ended up getting it kicked out. Um, this is a very simple case. No refunds means exactly what it says. No refunds, the judge wrote. And I, like I said, I went through the whole thing. It's 
it's a little bit frustrating for these people, um, obviously, and it's a little bit. Um, now there was a there's a clause in there. It's called uh, force majeure, which is basically f uh, something of nature that can happen. So there's a clause usually in all these things that you're having an outdoor or, or you know concert that forces beyond the control of the event organizer something that comes up, force a thing of nature, as an example. Um, that they could cancel it for that and typically, you know, not have to refund your money because they are out maybe for setting this up. Now, look, I think what, uh, what Iron Man did was kind of shitty. Uh, it was a lot of people around the world, uh, around the U.S. at least for this case, and they could definitely have refunded those things. Um, I don't know how much money they put out at the time to have the events and what kind of now, race was canceled in March 14th, as an example. That one is pretty close up to the front as far as the first one. That was a rock and roll running races. And I'm trying to see if there was another one. This is a very simple case. Uh, yeah, anyway. Anyway, so they had argued that the no refund clause is fair and consistent with common sense. Given the type of events being debated, if race organizers were required to give refunds when events were canceled for issues beyond their control, he said most race companies wouldn't be able to sustain a business. Uh, totally true. I get all that. I just also think as a business, um, Iron Man might be shooting themselves in the foot for doing this. There's a lot of people. Uh, as an example, if this happened for bellow promo race you're not out a ton of money and you can you know it's, it's no big deal it's more of a local thing you know if you're doing a race like these where you maybe race once or twice maybe three times a year it's a little bit different you're preparing for it now they had no choice they couldn't put on the race at least i think they probably could have but they decided not to maybe they couldn't get it um licensed what have you either way i thought it was a interesting thing because it's something that we may um, experience here coming up this year I don't know how many people are going to be pre-regging, and I think this is something that um, the races should do going forward, thinking about this, is how are we going to kind of ensure this? They may not like it, uh, but I think for the benefit of everyone, you cut late fees out and you have day of registration. Um, if you're not willing to put on a race or to take that liability, we're not willing to pay it. Um, and that's what I'm gonna do. I'd really actually rather pay the late fee than, um, put my money in and not get a race. Just just throwing that out there. So it's what it is. And that's uh that's the world of triathletes. Look, no one no one <laughs> not there's not a lot of cyclists that really uh feel for the triathlete. I mean if it if you've ever been we used to do a uh, called the uh Fruit Loops ride in Boulder. If you're ever around there um the race starts in Boulder, goes out highway thirty six and goes through um I forget the name of the town there, um Lions and you do these two loops, fruit loops, because there were some fruit trees out there, I guess, and you do two sprints. And we would get some pro triathletes in the mix there. And those guys are super strong and not as skilled on the bike. So um, there were some wrecks. Okay. Ricardo Rico is back on the news. I don't know if you remember him. Sonia Duvall rider, uh, little Italian guy, started winning a ton of races. I'm trying to remember which year. I want to say like... 06, 08, somewhere in that range. And um, right before Daring, maybe when um, Chris Horner was just coming through there as well, uh, started winning a bunch of races. Goes to the Tour de France. He had a kick. He was a Julian Alaphilippe type, and he was winning stuff at the Tour, and then he got kicked out because he tested possible, possible, po positive for, I think it was Sarah, which was the synthetic EPO he was taking. Um, 
anyway, he then tried to make a comeback, and with his comeback, he made a fatal flaw, which was he was going to be his own doctor and inject himself. He ended up getting, <laughs> he ended up getting, it was 2008, uh, he I'll just read this from Cycling Tips. Uh, with the Rampage, Enrico finished second at the Giro Italia, won two stages of the Tour of France, and then was unceremoniously booted for a positive test for Sarah, an Italian <coughs> intermittent appearances in headlines. Here you go. 11, he rushed to the hospital with sepsis and kidney failure after transfusing himself with a blood bag. He denied he was blood doping, uh, which this incident was conspicuously a near-fatal example of but was handed a 12-year suspension from the Italian Anti-Doping Authority. 2014, he had another brush with the authorities when he was caught meeting drug dealers in McDonald's parking lot. That's where you do it, dude. Allegedly for the intent to buy EPO and testosterone. He claimed he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Although, I contend that there was no wrong time for Il Cona del Gusto, that is, McDonald's. That's what the writer is saying here. Anyway, uh, this has come about because evidently he had some recent remarks. He said, um, I've read many people that say that the vaccine must be obligatory. Three explanation, four explanation points. Are we joking? Three explanation points. I do what I want with my body. Nobody can make me do something that it, if it were to have a negative effect on my body, I would be the only one that would lose. So you can get injected with what, with who knows what shit to don't, but don't, F over people like me that have been well informed by parentheses my by doctor friends and parentheses and that we are not going to take a damn vaccine over and out. Okay, so you can see a little bit of the hypoc uh, hypocrisy there of someone who injected himself willingly, wantonly, and with this no disregard for his or regard for his uh, health over and over and over to, you know, with blood bags, sepsis, the whole bit. Well-written article. It was a little... <laughs> now, look, I know what they're doing here. They're trying to vaccine shame him. Um, look, has he has he come full, full fruition and, you know, full circle and said, hey, maybe I was wrong with what I had done to my body. I totally regret it. People can change. You can have different opinions. I've changed my opinions many, many times over the years to vast array of things um, because you live and you learn. Maybe he's feeling that, hey, maybe he's really concerned and he's thinking my body, my choice. Anyway, um, I thought another quick thing here of hypocrisy uh, was Caleb Ewing has recently come out and had some comments. First of all, he said he's going to try to win three grand uh, stages in all three grand tours. So everyone is going to do the Vuelta or the, the, sorry, the Giro, the Tour and the Vuelta. Not possible if we do a condensed schedule like last year, which, by the way, was fantastic. Um, but if if it's a normal schedule that we have, Giro in May, the Tour in July, and September we have the Vuelta-ish, somewhere in there, um, it might be actually possible. Um, he did say, though, uh, he can be just uh, So he took a shot at um, Grunewagen, and he said he could be, um, let's see what he said. He, he admitted he, this is what he's saying about Dylan, quote, he admitted he knew what he was doing. Ewan said of Gronewagen, as a sprinter, you know when you feel a rider next to you. And if you go all the way to the barrier, you know that a rider is going to get crashed into the barrier. Now, to me, um, that's a little bit interesting considering if you've ever watched uh, Caleb Ewing's sprint, I don't know that he has a well awareness. I mean, there was, a, everyone was so, 
enamored by him this summer of his ability to weave and dodge and cut and dive in a sprint and win a stage at the tour. I'm trying to remember which stage that was, like five, six, four, somewhere in that range. Uh, and it was fantastic, right? But you're also like, one wheel hit there, someone's going down and you're taking a bunch of people with you. Uh, so, and Caleb has been well, <laughs> he's done that over the years. Now, has he taken someone into the barrier? Probably. I, I don't remember anything specific, but I would tend to guess that he has more likely than not. So it's a little bit interesting to see why he's taken such a hard stance. Almost more, we talked a little bit about Jakobsen. Jakobsen seems to, <laughs> to even be less brutal on uh, Grotewagen than does um, Caleb Ewing. Let's go back to the first thing I said about Caleb Ewing, which was he's going to try to win a stage in each of the Grand Tours. I think... I think that is his impetus for trying to call out Grunewagen. Keep him on the sidelines, have all the glory for yourself, not have to sprint against Grunewagen. I think I think I see what we're doing here. Caleb Ewing, Irish Grand Tour Stage Sweep in 2021. All right, well, good luck to you. The mailbag. Well, mailbag for us today. Um, appreciate any of you making comments. Frank Winters has been commenting on our YouTube page. Frank, thank you. Keep it up. Uh, Brian Zimney, he had asked me your favorite, what is your favorite interview for 2020? And Brian, that is a great question. And I did respond to you directly um, uh, on a direct message, uh, but that was a great question. Um, I haven't had too many interviews in 2020 that made me cringe. You know, there was no, not cycling interviews, I always say that. Uh, you may remember a really long one that was uh, dealing with uh, other issues in cycling that was a bit much. Um, most of the ones related to cycling though, like Mike Mike Sayers is always a great chat. Uh, Jonathan Baker was really good. Tyler Williams was good. By the way, Tyler Williams has his own podcast. Uh, check that out. Uh, Paul Mitchell discussion was good. I enjoyed that too. <clears throat> um, thank you, Paul. Um, but maybe the one, I, I don't, I'm trying to remember if it was actually in 2020. It was really close to that was uh, Dr. Jason Braley, uh, the doc, the King's doctor. He had formerly been a, a doctor and worked with uh, what, Eight Hour Energy presented by Gear Grinder. And has, so he, he grew up in the world of cycling. He had worked with a bunch of pros, a fascinating interview. And I, you know, and now he's the doctor for the Sacramento Kings. I am surprised, actually, at the downloads that did not get. He also worked with, um, the con did the concussion protocol for USA Cycling. He was a really good interview. And like I said, probably my favorite, not to take it. Look, I look back to and I'm like, you know what? Damn, that Jonathan Baker interview was so much fun. Jonathan, you were great. Um, Tyler Williams, like I said, all of those. I've had some really good times. So, uh, but I would say if you guys want to check out my best, uh, my most favored Favorite, favorite, favorite ride uh, interview of the year. It probably is the one with Jason Braley, Dr. Jason Braley. Check it out. Um, King's doctor. Um, he's also a good friend. So good to good to get that one. And, you know, he's got two boys. Um, one of his sons is in my daughter's class. That's how we kind of got to know him to begin with. Um, got two junior riders and they've, been, and they've been riding and getting into cycling, follow them on Strava. It's been, it's been really cool. So I've been enjoying that. How about the ride of the week? Now, since no one is out there racing yet, well, we do have um, cyclocross and damn it, I want to get into cyclocross. It just takes effort and it takes time to review and watch this. And we've got, we've got um, riots going on. We've got all kinds of things. I'm trying to get back to work. Look, I don't Do I have the time for that? I probably should. 
But I saw Wout Van Aert won uh, race over the weekend. I know um, Matthew Vanderpool's been winning a bunch and Tom, Tom Pidcock. So it looks like only those three are really... Vanderpool, uh, sorry, Van Aert, I think he won Belgium National Championships. That's what it was. But I'm giving the ride to the week to me for the fact that I actually got out and rode this week. It doesn't happen often, but it's getting there more and more. Man, this was a slug. Uh, this summer, I was riding so strong, but I think is what it was. I wasn't doing a long duration of long rides. I was doing a lot of everyday consistent over and over and over, and I got my fitness up. But man, you just cut that off a little bit. It's just, it's like uh, Caddyshack where he's like, you know, judge, um, and you know, Ty or whoever it was, clip him in the uh, Achilles. He's going to slice into the woods every time. That's what it's like for me. It feels like, well, I have got my Achilles ruptured. So I'm slicing into the woods every time. But I'm getting back, folks, and I hope you do as well. Between Two Wheels Podcast, 217 episodes. Please hit the like button. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube. That's how you do it the best. Check out our show. Share it wherever you want. Join us on Facebook as well. Take care.